Well, thank you so much, choir also, and instrumentalists for your leading us today. And, you know, today, especially the songs, I, I, I could not help but, I don't know how it was for some of you, I could not help but go down memory lane. And it all started with, to God be the glory, Pastor Andy, because I just could not help when we were singing that song and I was listening to you sing, it, it just took me back to when I was growing up in the church that it was really, really basically the first church I, I, I kind of remember going to. We, we moved, my parents still live in this house. They moved there when I was eight. And uh, church was down the street, and my folks kind of landed on that church because it was close by, and my dad said, well, it's a Baptist church, and it's within kind of walking distance, and so let's start there. And uh, praise the Lord, it was, there was a good, solid Bible preacher there, and I remember going there for the first time vacation Bible school, and the preacher came by to visit my folks, and he said, listen, um, uh, your boy's, uh, your boy's doing his part. He's ready to come to church. Now it's time for you to step up and you do your part and you need to get him in church. You need to be in, and you need to get back in church yourselves. And, uh, and man, my, my father took those marching orders and he saluted and he said, yes, sir. And, uh, my dad's still cutting that church's grass, uh, even this past week, probably. So they've stayed very, very involved there, but I could not help but think about, about being a boy in that church because I can remember Quite often, I don't know how many Sundays it was, but they would end the service singing that song, To God Be the Glory. they just sing like one stanza of it. And it was interesting because I can distinctly remember they would, they would join hands. They would join hands. And different people feel different ways about joining hands. It, it, just to be honest with you, it creeps some people out to have to hold hands with total strangers, all right? I mean, for some of you, you're doing good just to hold hands with your own family. But I mean, how to hold hands with total strangers is, for some people, is kind of pushing it. And, uh, but anyway, they would do this. And, uh, and, and, and we would sing this song. And it was meant to be a reminder that, that we're united in Christ, you know, that we're one, that we're one, one family. And I can remember as, as a boy growing up with a picture that, our, that, that this is what the church is. The church is united. We stand together to God be the glory. And just to be honest with you, I, I had no idea what, what, what my dad was sometimes hearing in deacon's meetings. Because, you know, I was just a little boy. I can remember as I got older, he'd come home sometimes and he would look so weary. Now, I'm sure this was unique to our church only where I was growing up. Doesn't happen in many other Baptist churches. But anyhow, but I remember he'd come home and he looked so weary, right? But I can still remember as a boy, in my mind, the idea was surely as a church, as people who worship the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be one. We're going to be united. We're going to be a family. We're going to be a team. That's why I can remember fast forward to 2002 when we were involved in planning a church and starting a church. I kind of came up with this little slogan that we started off with, put it on a sign we and we would hang it up in the school that we were renting on Sunday morning. We'd have to go in and try to transition this old public school into, in, in, into a place for church. And I remember we'd hang this sign up and it said, a team to build, a family to grow, a world to reach. And I thought about that a lot. I don't even know really where the idea came from. I trust the Lord just kind of put it in my mind and tell you it's stuck. It's stuck with people. And, we, and I had to remind them, say, listen, listen, we're going to have to be a team. We're going to have to be a team if we're going to do this. Well, the same is true for Mount Pleasant. The Mount Pleasant family is, we're going to have to be a team. We're going to have to be united. And just, just the other day, I, I took my son, Mark, and, and, and my youngest daughter, uh, Jenna, we went up to the Redskins training camp. My son's a huge Redskins fan. We've talked about that before. You know, most Christians are Redskins fans. And, and, um, and we went, and went up there. And we went up there. I'm in a friendly crowd. I knew that's the easy one right there. 
the cowboy folks will talk after the service when you're down here at the altar in repentance. But anyhow, um, it's easy, it's easy to, to talk uppity about the Redskins. It's, season hasn't started yet. And, um, but, but, but we had never been up to the training camp. And so Mark was like, oh, let's go check it out. And so we went up there. And man, it was, ooh, it was hot as blazes up there. And we went up there. And you, you just have to pay to park. And you just go in. And it was, you know, we're looking. We saw RG. And, and, uh, and you see Cousins. And, and, and uh, yeah, I forget the other boy who's a quarterback. But anyway, they, the three of them, they're taking turns passing. And, of course, I'm sitting there going, oh, RG's going to have to pick that up a little bit. And, and you know, we're, how are they playing? But, but notice this. Notice this, it was unmistakable that we were at a place where it was about one team. It was about the Redskins team. It was about the Washington football team. It was about the Washington Redskins. I mean, it was the only, that was the only team stuff they were selling there. That was pretty much, it was pretty much burgundy and gold. It was pretty much, that's what you were going to see when you were there. You were going to see those colors. You, those guys had those jerseys on. And they were just practicing. But you knew the team they were on. And loved ones, understand this. When we come to church... When we come to church, this is, this is kind of like preseason. When we come to church, this is like practice. Because understand, listen, this isn't all there is. This really isn't even the true field that we're playing on. This is where when we come in here, listen, it ought to be unmistakable that we're one team. That we're the team of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because understand this. There's some competing teams outside these walls. And the evil one, listen, the evil one, he wants, he wants to defeat this team in some of the games that we're going to be in. Now he, now he understands this. He doesn't like it and he doesn't want to know this. But he's got to know he's already lost the Super Bowl, friends. The Lord Jesus Christ has won the victory. But listen, listen, listen. From our point of view as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's still some time left on the game clock. You get what I'm saying? And it's important for us to understand that we must be strong and courageous as the team of the Lord Jesus Christ. So today I want to talk to you about unity. And we find it in the book we've been walking through. We're only going to have a couple more sermons from this book. Today we're in Joshua 22. Find Joshua chapter 22. And in Joshua chapter 22, what we find here is we find that really the game's over. The battle is over. The war has been won. And it's, and it's, and it's almost like the, the final seconds have ticked off the clock. And, in, and it's kind of like Coach Joshua in Joshua chapter 22 has the team in the locker room. And it's time for some final words from the coach. And I think these would be words to us as the church here in 2015. Over 3,000 years later, these words apply to us as they're from God's inerrant word. Understand this, as Aesop said famously, united we stand, divided we fall. Benjamin Franklin, he was right when he said, we must all hang together or we shall hang separately. The Lord Jesus reminds us in Matthew that no man can serve two masters. We've got to be one in this, folks. If a house be divided against itself, 
The Bible says the house cannot stand. Ecclesiastes in Solomon's journal there in his wisdom, he said a three-fourth cord is not quickly broken. The psalmist wrote, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Joshua has the team together. And this team, Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, this team, this family, today I want to point out to you three commitments Three commitments related to our unity as a team for the Lord Jesus. You know, I rejoice. I praise God for how during our time together, I believe God's been at work in our midst. I believe in many ways this this time of transition, in some ways, it's kind of felt a little bit like preseason maybe to you. Like we're gearing up for something here. I think, I think Mount Pleasant Baptist Church is gearing up for a whole new season of ministry, loved ones. Amen. I think we're gearing up. I think we're gearing up. It's time for us to get ready. So today, I want us to understand, listen, we all ought to be wearing the same jersey. We ought to be wearing the Lord Jesus Christ and his armor. And Joshua, Joshua has this word for us today. I'll pick up in Joshua 22. Look, at with, look with me at God's word. Let me read some of it to you. Start in verse one. At that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh. Now remember, these are the two and one half tribes that had asked Moses if they could stay on the other side of the Jordan River. But they had come over and they had fought for seven years to help the other, the rest of the tribe, the rest of the team, to win the promised land. I mean, men, that means this. That meant for seven years they were away from wives and little ones and children, children that had been young, young, youngsters, were now going to be teenagers or even grown-ups themselves. But now Joshua had them together, and he says to them this. Look at this, verse 2. He said, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you've obeyed my voice and all that I've commanded you. Verse 3, you have not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but you have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. He was saying, thank you, troops. You've done your part. You've stayed faithful. And you know what? Let me say this to you right here, loved ones. Listen, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the way that you've been faithful, even though there's undoubtedly been times in your life where you've had discouragement, despair, perhaps disease, sickness, and sadness, but you've stayed faithful. You're here this morning. You're here this morning. I want to say thank you. You know what? I've encouraged the staff that works with me at our, at our Southern Baptist Convention here in Virginia. I said, guys, listen, we need to make sure we say thank you. We need to say thank you, thank you, thank you to our loved ones in Christ who are making it possible for churches to be planted and missionaries to be sent and young pastoral missionary students to be educated. Thank you, thank you. Let me say that to you as a pastor, thank you. He was saying thank you. You've not forsaken your duty. Verse four, and now the Lord your God has given you rest, has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go back to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Did you just see that phrase, on the other side? This right here is an enlightening statement because that right there gives me some insight into sometimes, if we're not careful, 
for various reasons and various situations, some of them good, some of them not so good. Sometimes it can seem that our loved ones in Christ, that our teammates are on the other side. They're on the other side. These two and a half tribes were quite literally, they were going to be on the other side. They were going to have a visible barrier between them and the rest of the team. We have to be careful. We have to be careful to make sure that we understand, oh, we may be in different places, but are we really on different sides? Are we really on different sides? He says this in verse five. He gives them this saying. This is where we're gonna get our first commitment from. Look at this. Only, only be careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with, listen to this, all. It does not say some. It doesn't say what you want to. It says all. Everybody say all. All, all your heart with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them. And sent them away. And they went to their tents. Let me just pause here and pray. Father, thank you. Let me just thank you right now for your word. And Lord, I pray that as we try to grab a hold of these commitments that we need to make for our unity here, Lord, from this text of scripture. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, help us to be hearers of the word and Lord, by the power of your spirit, make us doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the, here's the first commitment. Write this one down. Listen, our unity, our unity involves commitment. Here it is, commitment to obeying commands. To obeying commands. Write those words down, obeying commands. You need to get that. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we will think that we're to be united just for the sake of being united. And that's the first thing I want to tell you is not true. You listen to that? Did you hear that? Understand this. Understand this. Listen. Our unity involves, first and foremost, a commitment to obeying the commands of God. Joshua, Joshua, in the midst of commending them for being united, says, listen, here is the deal. Here is the only thing that you must and always remember. Only. Verse 5. Be careful. To observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, and to cling to him, cling to him, serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. Understand this. Let me say this very clearly. Obedience to God is most important. Please Hear me say that. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. John 14.15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. An interesting word study for you. If you have a computer or a, or, or a Bible concordance, go in and just look at all the places in the Bible where it talks about the commands of God, where it talks about obeying. Just look at the word obey, obeying, obedience, or command or commandments. We, we, we're living in a country that is saturated with this individualistic, my way is the way mentality and in so many ways loved ones that is so foreign so foreign to the faith 
to the Christian faith, to the faith that we're to have as disciples of Christ. Under, you know, and, and it gets confusing in America because we live in this, in this democratic republic where it's all, about, it's all about surveys. I was traveling, I had to make this kind of quick round trip all the way out to Asheville, North Carolina this week for some meetings. And then the next night I drove all the way back, came back and, and I was driving back the night when they were having these uh, first debates of all these uh, Republican candidates. And, um, and, and, and so I was, you know, trying to, it's a long drive. I'm in the car and, and I listened to some sermons and so I, I turn on the news and I'm listening to this and it's all these different opinions. And so in America, and this kind of bleeds into us as Christians in America, we, we can begin to think, yeah, it's all about democracy. And in a Baptist church, it's even more that way because we say, well, you know, we're congregational and that is true. You say, well, that sounds like we're democratic. Okay, that, that's true. But you've got you to understand, from the Bible's point of view, the Bible teaches us that we're in a kingdom. And that's weird for us as Americans because we like, you know, our forefathers fought against that. <laughs> but understand this, in biblical Christianity, we really are in a kingdom. It's about King Jesus, Okay. Now, I know that gets complicated, and I know sometimes pastors have abused that, and they said, well, listen, you know what? I'm the pastor, and, and, and we'll act like we're kind of these, these, these mini despots or these little dictators sometimes. And understand this. Listen, listen, here's, here's, here's a picture for you. Listen, we, we have to have leadership. The Bible, the Bible extols us the merits and benefits of, of godly pastoral leadership. Jesus is the great shepherd. As pastors, we are under shepherds. And understand this, listen, listen. As human beings, we wrestle. We wrestle with this picture of how, of how we can be united. But remember this, ultimately, got to understand this. Our allegiance is to obeying the commands of God. And a faithful preacher will constantly bury his face in this book and point the people under, under his teaching to this book. Now, where we have to wrestle that out is when we come into our congregational meetings and we make decisions in our committees, understand this, that's, we must always make sure we are trying to seek to be absolutely filled with the Spirit, people of the book, and absolutely prayerful. So let me give you this first commitment that, that I want to encourage you. You might be on a committee, you may be a deacon, you may be a teacher, just as a member of this church, or maybe you're visiting today, I want you to understand, this, this, is the, this, this can be a heartbeat of this church. Unity, listen, first and foremost, involves obeying the commands of God. That's why this church, this church and every church, must always ask itself, no, this is not the first question. Well, what do you think we should do? That's not the first question. The first question is, God, what would you have for us? God, what would you have us do? It's about obeying the commands of God. Jesus says in Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you to do? People say, well, I think we need to pray about that. Let me just clarify something right now. Listen, there's so many clear-cut teachings that God gives us here, and I'm all for saying let's pray, but understand that sometimes we will use that as a mask to say we're really not sure we want to do what God's already telling us to do. Listen, when I, when I tell my children to do something, when I say, listen, clean your room, do your homework, do this, listen, it does not behoove them 
to say, oh, Father, I want to beseech thee and to ask you to help me to understand. Do you want me to clean my room or do you want me to clean my room? I want you to do what I told you to do. Amen. It's about obeying God's commands. It does not behoove us to dicker with the Lord. So understand this, obedience to God is most important. Our unity involves, number one, obeying commands. Listen, listen, I want you to mark this down because this sounds kind of contrary. Unity, what I'm telling you is, is in the end of things, just our unity is not the most important thing. Theology is important. Jude 1.3, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in and unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, sometimes going along to get along is not the right thing to do. And that sound, you say, man, he is all bent and everything today. Man, where did he go last weekend? I don't mean to sound irritated about it. I'm just trying, I'm just passionate about this. Why? Because I see, I see more so in American churches, purported American churches, and some who, in my opinion, masquerade themselves as preachers and, and messengers of light when really they're messengers of darkness. And I don't know how else to say it. Or how else would we be at the point in this country where we're more educated than we've ever been, have more technology than we've ever had, and we're at the point where there will be people in pulpits today who will say that it is absolutely of God and let's celebrate marriage that is absolutely contrary to this book. I don't want to be hateful about it. I just want to be clear about it. I want to be clear about it. Understand this, friends. Listen, loved ones. We must first and foremost realize our theology matters. Our integrity matters. Our purity matters. People will say, well, are you, you're stronger on purity than you are on unity. No, I just want our unity to be about God's purity. So, so loved ones, understand, listen, here, here it is. Before you can love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love the Lord like no other. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Joshua emphasizes their obedience to God. You know what we do sometimes though is we find ourselves caught up and we're just kind of go with the flow. It kind of reminds me, the, the other, uh, last month or so, we took kids down to water country. Went down to water country in a big, big water park. And we went on this thing, they call, I think it's called the Hubba Hubba Highway. And it's this thing, you, you wear life jackets and you just float around it. It's a great way to spend your day. You just float around it aimlessly, basically, is what you do. And, um, and it's a big time. We're just having a big time in it. And uh, whole family's in there. We're floating around with, with everybody and his brother that we've never met before. And uh, we're sitting there in the Hubba Hubba Highway. And you'll notice something. You, just, you don't really have to do much of anything. You just kind of get pushed along with the crowd. Because there's these underwater water jets. They just kind of shoot and they push you along. And I got to thinking about, you know what, that's how, it's so easy in this world, in this culture, for me just to get pushed along with the flow and with the current of this culture. 
We're going to head south this afternoon on vacation. We've got a long way to go on I-95. And I know, man, we're just going to get caught up in this flow. And it'll be, and you'll just be buzzing down the highway, whipping along in the flow. But understand this, understand this. The Bible says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Bible says we're to be lights in this world. Now, I'm not talking about that we have to, you know, turn ourselves back into something like the Puritans or be, quote, odd for God or something like that. I'm not, not trying to make that point. I'm just saying, listen, we need to make sure that we always come back, number one, and are committed to obeying the commands of God. All right, amen? Number two, our unity involves not just obeying commands, but listen to this, resolving conflict, resolving conflict. When you look at verse 10, the Bible says here, and when they came to the region of the Jordan, that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh, they build this big altar. And the Bible says at the end of verse 10, do you see this? An altar, it says, of imposing size. This thing was huge. Verse 11, the people of Israel heard it, heard it said, I circled that, they heard it said, people were talking, behold, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh, they've built this altar. Have you heard about that? They built this altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, they heard about it. Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what they're doing? Did you hear what? We need to pray about them. That's spiritualized. We need to pray about them. Have you heard? Hey, have you heard whatever? Have you, have you seen what they're building over there? And so they get together. They waste no time about it. The Bible says in verse 12, they gather at Shiloh to make war against them. Man, they are fighting mad. Why? Because they're like, wait a minute. They're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to build something that looks like an idol to me. But look at what they do. Verse 13. Then the people of Israel, here's what they do. Now they were ready to go to war, but they stop. And they, the Bible says, verse 13, sent, they sent to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and with him 10 chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel. Every one of them, the head of a, fam- the head of a family among the clans of Israel. And they came to the people. They go to them. They say, listen, we need to talk about this. They go to them. People of Reuben, the people of Gad, the half tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead. And they said to them, verse 16, thus says the whole congregation, congregation of the Lord, what is this breach of faith that you've committed against the God of Israel and turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord? Have we not had enough of the sin at Peor from which even yet we've not cleansed ourselves and for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord? And if you too rebel against the Lord today, then tomorrow he's gonna be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. But now listen, listen, verse 19. If the land of your possession is unclean, Pass over, come on back in here where the Lord's tabernacle stands. Take for yourselves a possession among us. Man, they were willing to resolve the conflict. They're willing to give up even some of their own stuff. Here, have have part of my yard. Have some of my stuff. Just don't, man, just don't rebel against God, man. Only don't rebel against the Lord. 
Then verse 21, man, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said in answer to the heads of the families of Israel, oh, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows and let Israel itself know. Listen, if it was in rebellion or in a breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today for building this altar to turn away from following the Lord. But, or, or if we did so to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings on it, may the Lord himself take vengeance. no. No, verse 24, do you see that? But we did it from fear that in time to come, your children might say to our children, what, you, what have you to do with the Lord? The God of Israel. And so they say, look at verse 26. They said, we, we're, let us now build, build an altar, not for a burnt offering. No, 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 you misunderstood. Not for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us. To be a witness between us, that's, that's what we meant. We're sorry you, you misunderstood, but we're so glad you came and talked to us before you started fighting us. Verse 30, when Phinehas the priest and the chiefs of the congregation had the families of Israel who were with him, they heard these words. The people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of Manasseh spoke. It was good in their eyes. This is a Bible picture of the New Testament Matthew 18, just right in your margin, Matthew 18. Listen, listen, our unity, yeah, it it involves obeying commands. But number two, we're going to have to understand, we're going to have to resolve some conflicts sometimes. So let me just kind of give you some principles. And and if you want to, I'm sorry, you may have to jot these down fast. Maybe I can print these out and post them sometime or get them to you. Uh, Listen, we got to get the facts before we react. They do that. They get the facts before they react. They, they go and they, and they have some discussion. Number two, we need to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Phineas and these others, they say, listen, listen, listen. Let's go talk to him. Do you understand? They, that took some risk. That took some risk. But they were willing to be part of the solution. You know what? Oftentimes, God can use us. We can be part of the solution and not part of the problem. We need to listen to the other side of the story. And then finally, settle the issue and then put it to rest. That's what they do. Now, number one, remember their their number one commitment, obeying the commands of God. Don't forget that. They find out, no, these folks are obeying the commands of God. Okay, amen. That's been clarified. Now they're going to work to resolve the misunderstanding. It's interesting. If you ever go to read Matthew 18, it's famously known and churches use this when they're talking about church discipline and conflict. But right after Jesus tells them about going to the brother that you have ill will towards, you feel is done wrong, he then talks specifically to Peter and the disciples and gives them a parable about forgiveness. I found that very interesting this week as I was re-looking at Matthew 18. Because Peter says, well, Lord, just how often do I have to forgive my brother? Jesus goes on, he tells him a story about how this servant wasn't willing to forgive whom had been forgiven by the king. And loved ones, understand this. Listen, in resolving conflict, we must always remember, listen, we've been forgiven by the king. So it's obeying commands is number one. We, we have to be loyal to the Lord. But number two, we have to be willing to resolve conflict where we can. And finally, 
I'll, I'll share this third commitment with you. Our unity involves obeying commands, resolving conflict, and building community. It's interesting here in, in chapter 22, look at the last verse, verse 34. It's actually like the last sentence. They say, the Bible says, for they said, it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. That's actually repeated like three times. Back up in verse 28, to be a witness between us and you. And back up in verse 27, a witness between us and you. And at the end, they say it's a witness between us that the Lord is God. Those folks go on the other side of the Jordan River. And they have to kind of work extra hard to build this. This is an imposing altar. I mean, this was no small task. These folks had just fought a seven years war. Now they go back. Instead of just wanting to take some vacation time with their families, they start building this big, huge, imposing altar. Why? Because they want, they want the rest of the community, the rest of their fellowship to know we're willing to build this so you know we're on the same team. And you know what? Building community and being united, it takes some effort, church. It takes some work. Now, it's interesting. Let me just toss this in because I don't want to neglect this point to be really true to the scripture. Had the two and a half tribes not asked to stay on that side of the river to start with, I don't know that we'd have had this chapter in the Bible. And that's probably a whole other sermon for another day that those two and a half tribes had asked Moses to start with, hey, let us just stay over here. We're cool with this. They weren't willing to move forward. They seemed to lack the spiritual vision to see the promised land for what it's worth. Church, let us realize that the more we see the promised land for what it's worth, the easier it'll be for us to be united. I love this little poem. I'd like to read this to you, this little poem. It's called, maybe you've heard, it's called The Cookie Thief. You ever heard this? You can find it online, The Cookie Thief. A woman was waiting at an airport one night with several long hours before her flight. She hunted for a book in the airport shop, bought a bag of cookies and found a place to drop. She was engrossed in her book but happened to see that the man beside her, as bold as he could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag between when she tried to ignore to avoid a scene. She munched cookies and watched the clock as this gutsy cookie thief diminished her stock. She was getting more irritated as the minutes ticked by, thinking, if I wasn't so nice, I'd blacken his eye. With each cookie she took, he took one too. And when only one was left, she wondered what he'd do. With a smile on his face and a nervous laugh, he took the last cookie and he broke it in half. He offered her half as he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, oh, brother, this guy has some nerve and he's also rude. Why he didn't even show any gratitude. She had never known when she had been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed for the gate, refusing to look back at the thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sank in her seat, then sought her book, which was almost complete. As she reached in her baggage, she gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies right in front of her eyes. 
If mine are here, she moaned with despair. Then the others were his, and he was trying to share. <laughs> Too late to apologize, she, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ingrate. She was the thief. Loved ones, the cookies belong to the Lord. The cookies are the Lord's. This team is the Lord's. He's our owner. This team is not up for sale. Don't fight over the cookies. Number one commitment we must always have is obeying his commands. Now, the warning, don't, don't make up your own commands. Obey his. Number two, commitment to resolving conflict. And then thirdly, building building this community. So today as we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to ask you, please, please, may we always have before the Lord our willing hearts to say, Lord, what is, what is your clear command? That's why we teach this book. That's why we spend the majority part of this service teaching this book. That's why I hope you go to Bible study class right now. You're going you're gonna to be in this book. This week, be in this book. We need to obey his commands. God help, God help us the times we don't. We've got to be ready to, to, to resolve conflict, resolve the conflict. And then, and then don't forget, look, look building, building community, it, it takes work, okay? It takes work. It takes work. Those red-skinned guys, man, they, they're pretty sweaty the other day. It takes work. So question, number one, please make sure you're on the Lord's team. Make sure you're on the Lord's team. Surrender your heart today to the Lord Jesus. If you're not sure you've ever surrendered your life and put your faith, your trust in the Lord Jesus, ask him to forgive you of your sins and to give you eternal life, would you come down front and just tell me today, say, Brian, I I need Jesus to be my Lord. Number two, maybe you just want to come and kneel and pray or pray right where you're going to be standing or sitting and just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, search my heart. Is there any commandment in my life that I'm not really obeying? And Lord, is there any conflict in my life that that you need to resolve, that you need me to follow you in resolving with a brother or a sister? Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for this team, this family, this church. God, work in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.